Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast. I'm Ty Polk, joined as always by Chris Ward. It's time to preview the Pittsburgh Steelers Monday Night Football Clash with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's been an interesting week of Steelers talk, of course, after the Steelers have now dropped to 11-2 and on the season, and they're having to deal with a lot of the national media kind of calling them out a little bit. Uh, notably, Booger McFarlane called the Steelers' offensive line soft, and Marquise Pouncey wasn't very happy about that, right, Chris? Yeah, he, he responded on Instagram about, you know, making a comment about his uh, his career as a, you know, announcer and stuff and, you know, making a joke how he was removed off the ESPN uh, uh, Monday Night Football crew and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I think McFarlane, uh, do, you, do you think he was right with his assessment? I mean, you can't really blame him for having those thoughts. The Steelers run game since, well, just after the Tennessee game, really, has been not very good to be kind. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually don't agree with, you know, Booger McFarland's takes on a lot of things because he says a lot of absurd things sometimes. But uh, I, I don't I don't know if the line's soft. I just I don't think they they, they excel well at run, at run blocking. So maybe you could call them soft. But I mean, I won't want to call someone like Marquise Pouncey soft. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, Pouncey and the rest of the offense line, you know, use this as motivation if they need anything like that. Uh, you know, Villain Waver probably doesn't know about it unless Pouncey told him, told the media yesterday that like he's kind of been in like a media bubble. Uh, in some sense, he has a flip phone now. He, he basically doesn't listen to any of the things that go uh, go on from, you know, the talking heads, you know, outside of the Steelers organization and their comments on, you know, the offensive line. And, you know, a lot of people have been pointing the fingers at them for the, the run game struggles. Yeah, and it really, with that entire piece, it was kind of out of left field. But, you know, as in, Villanueva has been a little bit on the, uh, a little bit criticized for depending on how you feel about, the back of the helmets things with the NFL this year. And the question for me, this was kind of like almost like a swan song. You kind of recognize that this might be his last couple games with the Steelers. So do you think this is his final season? It's really tough to say. I know he's an unrestricted free agent after this year and uh, you know, they'll have to make some moves, you know, possibly they could move Chooks to left tackle and then, uh, have Banner once he comes back from his ACL injury at, at right tackle. And, you know, they might draft one also because, you know, they could use, you know, uh, an upgrade there. And, you know, Villanueva is getting older. I think it'll be 33 next season. And, Chris, also, there's a lot of talk from the injury front with the Steelers. Joe Hayden has returned to practice. And also on Twitter, he confirmed that he's going to be back in the lineup. Talk about the rest of the injury report for the Steelers. Yeah. 
the rest is pretty good. I mean, there still hasn't been any news on Vince Williams. I, I guess he's, you know, he's still on the COVID-19 reserve list and they haven't really said if he tested positive or not, but if you, you read his tweets last week, it kind of made it seem like, like he was suffering from symptoms. He had no, nothing on that end so far, but uh, James Connors questionable with a quad injury and they've ruled out Kevin Dotson with a shoulder injury. He hasn't practiced all week, uh, Dotson. And Connor didn't practice on Thursday, and he was limited the, the last two days in practice. One thing that offensive coordinator Randy Fickner said, he wasn't afraid to go deep. He's willing to go deep, and he highlighted that in the media this week. So, Chris, I believe that one of the keys for the Steelers actually attempting to go deep is a commitment to a power running game, less of this one-cut back stuff that was more attributed to Le'Veon Bell and more just going straight forward and going, yes, it's going to probably be three yards in a cloud of dust, but maybe with over time it can be five yards in a cloud of dust or at least something similar to what Connor did against Denver to ice that game. Yeah, you, yeah, with having like the pulling guards and, you know, maybe having Derek Watt out there more, uh, kind of like you, you mentioned, like a power system or, or like a power running game. But uh, it, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough for them. They have no identity right now as far as their run game. They just – I don't know. It's a tough fix right now. But they have to do it. You, know, you have to run the ball. You just can't go out there and throw the ball like every single down. Yeah, but, but another thing is that they want to go deep. That's the big key there. If they can't at least establish some sort of threat – Reporters at the game, they've mentioned that you, know, you can't really see it on the on the TV when you're watching the game on TV, but uh, the safeties are, like, right behind the linebackers. Like, they don't even respect their deep passing game. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, Ben not really executing on, on those deep passes this year. And like you mentioned, the uh, the running game has not been a threat. So you have the safety up, too. Like, that, that makes it tough to run the ball. So Well, hopefully the Steelers can answer those safeties playing closer to the line because – they had 94 yards against Tennessee rushing, which is not 100 yards, but that's still good enough to at least keep teams honest. And they've only had one game in which they've reached over 70-plus yards since then, and that's against Jacksonville. So hopefully against the Bengals, they can use those opportunities to really get themselves back on track and provide teams a reason to try to respect that short passing game and also respect the running game. And Chris, one last thing before we get to our guests. What's the betting line for Steelers versus Bengals on Monday night? It was 12 and a half, but with the news that will be coming from our guests, it's creeped up a little bit. Yeah, Odd Sharks has the Steelers uh, favorite 14 and a half points against the Bengals on Monday night. And, you know, that's moved up recently, really, just a couple days ago. I looked and it was 12 and a half. And I think, you know, with Ryan Finley being the starter, I think they probably moved it up a little bit there. It'll be interesting to see if the Steelers will be covering that spread. They're looking for their 12th straight victory against the Bengals on Monday night. Now it's time to get a look at the situation in Cincy with our next guest. Thanks for having me on this evening. How are you two doing? Doing well. It's, <laughs> it's always great to have another Tyler in the sports world. <laughs> yeah, there are not many of us out there, but it is good to meet another Tyler. The Bengals obviously went into this season in rebuilding mode, and they but they showed a ton of promise with their number one overall draft pick in Joe Burrow. He's now out for the season after tearing his MCL and ACL against Washington. But also the injury luck has hit other positions. Joe Mixon hasn't played since October. 
and the injury luck extended into the defense with Trey Wayne's out for the season, effectively DJ Reader and Geno Atkins joining him as well. Talk about the effects that injuries have had on the Bengals season. Yeah, the Bengals have been decimated by injuries, as you alluded to, on both sides of the ball. You know, their offense has really been crippled with the loss of Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow. Uh, CJ Uzama, their tight end, was hurting in week two. So, you know, they're without several starters. Their left tackle, Jonah Williams, is, um, you know, banged up, and he's probably going to miss the rest of the season. They're down a lot of players. And then, you know, on defense side of the football, Geno Atkins, he injured his shoulder during training camp, uh, missed the first four games, came back, and he was clearly still hampered by the shoulder injury. He was never the same, had his uh, um, worst season of his career. Um, Trey Waynes, the Bengals signed him to a, a big deal during uh, the offseason. He never uh, took a snap because of a pectoral injury, uh, so he's not going to play until 2021. DJ Reader, an IR too. So it's a who's who's list on the Bengals' IR. They have a lot of great impact players on injured reserve, and, you know, this, this is a team – uh, they don't have a lot of talent to overcome the injuries that they have had. So without Joe Burrow, without Joe Mixon, a uh, player like Geno Atkins of old, Trey Waynes, it is uh, one of the many reasons why the Bengals are stuck on two wins and it's December. Yeah, Tyler, it was announced earlier today that backup quarterback Brandon Allen won't play on Monday night. And Ryan Finley, their, their fourth-round pick in 2019, will get the start. He played last year against the Steelers, throwing for he threw for 192 yards and a touchdown, but he lost the ball twice, losing one of those fumbles on the way to a 16 to 10 loss. Uh, this year, coming in relief for Burrow after his injury, uh, he hasn't really played well. But is there any hope that Finley can do something this time? <laughs> uh, when you say do something, do you mean just you know take snaps under center and complete a couple passes here and there? Uh, yeah, he'll do something. Will it be enough to win? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I have no faith in the Bengals' backup quarterbacks. You know, they really—it's uh, a far drop off between Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen, and now Ryan Finley. Uh, Finley, he's never won a game as a starter. He was 0-3 last year. The Bengals experimented with him last year, and, you know, he was underwhelming. The game just seems a little bit too fast for him, and he's overwhelmed back there at quarterback, you know, and we saw that in spot duty this year. He's 10 of uh, 19, I believe, in uh, four games, and, you know, he's been struggling back there. Now, to his credit, and, you know, I, I will give him this. He's been put in bad situations. When Joe Burrow got hurt versus the Washington football team and Finley checked in in the second half, the whole team was shell-shocked and they were dejected and they played lifeless. And it was hard for any quarterback to, you know, go in in that situation. And then he played, you know, some in Miami after Brandon Allen got hurt. And then he played again versus Dallas when Brandon Allen uh, hurt his right knee. And, you know, coming into a game 
in the second half, deep in the second half, and in, in Miami's case, and in that versus Dallas's case in the fourth quarter, you know that can be daunting and a little bit overwhelming, and a, a lot to ask for a young, inexperienced quarterback. So, the good news, if you're a Bengals fan. Finley's had a, a week of practice. He's been practicing with the first team. So he's building chemistry with players like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, A.J. Green, who's been quiet this season, Giovanni uh, Bernard. He's been able to build chemistry with them for a week's worth of practice. Will it be enough? No. Do I expect a little bit better performance than we saw in limited action last week and in Miami and even – maybe last season and those three starts probably, but will it be an, enough to be, you know, a Pittsburgh st- team that's a heavy favorite? Uh, I doubt it. This Bengals team, they st- have struggled offensively since Joe Burrow's exit. They have not scored in the third quarter since week seven. And they've been outscored in the second half uh, since week 10, 62 to 10. So this is a team that struggled offensively and struggled at times and defensively. So, yeah, injuries uh, are a part of it. And, you know, inefficient play at quarterback and offensive line, that's another big part of it too. And that's music to most Pittsburgh Steelers fans' ears, especially after a second-half conundrums the team got into in these two losses. One thing that I'm interested about is, of course, last week was Andy Dalton's revenge game you could say against the Bengals uh how did that feel to just see the old red rifle go against the Bengals defense you know Andy Dalton it was a little bit bigger than football I can tell for him he's you know started his career obviously in Cincinnati he's done a lot in the community for nine seasons the team that gave him an opportunity draft in the same draft class with AJ Green um I expected the Cowboys to win that game, even though they are struggling uh, this year because the Cowboys, they, they just have more talent on their roster uh, right now. Their receiving core is pretty good. Their defense, they still had Ezekiel Elliott, even though he's a little bit banged, he was a little bit banged up then. You know, he had a lot more around him than the Bengals offense has around, the, you know, Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen has around them because – Without Joe Mixon, like I said, without starting tight end and C.J. Uzama and an offensive line that's, you know, been playing musical chairs because of injuries, it was, you know, it's tough for the Bengals to overcome that. But to answer your question, yeah, Andy Dalton, it was a revenge game for him. He had a, a nice game, but he was aided with three turnovers. The Bengals turned it over three times in their first three possessions. And they did not take the football away once from the Cowboys. You're not going to win many games if you turn the ball over three times. You give up 17 points off those turnovers. And you as a team do not force any turnover at all. Well, there was one thing the Bengals did in that first matchup against the Steelers was run the football of course, Mixon wasn't in that game, but with four running backs, the Bengals ran for 139 yards on 21 attempts. What did the Bengals do to get that performance out of their running backs? And can they replicate that again this time, even with 
Bernard's fumbling issues against Dallas. Well, keep in mind that a big chunk of the Bengals' 139 yards versus Steelers came on a fake punt where Sean Williams uh, ran for 39 yards. So that's a chunk of it right there. But in totality, you know, you did have Samaj P. Ryan rush for 48 yards. It was kind of a balanced attack by committee. Giovanni Bernard, you know, I believe had 30 yards. Travion Williams uh, was involved in the action. But, you know, it was really one big chunk play from Sean Williams, and that came on a fake punt. Now, the Bengals, they have been struggling on the ground, uh, you know, since then. They're, they're not a good uh, rushing the football team because they're without Joe Mixon. Uh, they only average 92 yards a game. They rank 29th in the National Football League. I expect them to try to establish the run, especially with a quarterback like Ryan Finley, who is inexperienced and he's not really reliable throwing the football. Um, There's going to be some short passes in there too, but I do expect them to try to, you know, establish the run game with Samaj P. Ryan and Giovanni Bernard and try to get Travion uh, Williams in there too. Both Travion Williams and uh, Giovanni Bernard fumbled in Dallas. So they want to rebound from their mishaps and last week's game. And the Bengals, they have a pretty good receiving core, you know, with Tyler Board, who we're kind of familiar with watching him at Pitt, and he's from the Pittsburgh area. And, you know, T. Higgins had a pretty good game against the Steelers the last time they played, and he's done well this year. And you have A.J. Green, uh, the veteran. But how, how do you think the Bengals will get the ball to the receivers with, you know, Finley at quarterback? And who, who do you think could be the, the, the leading receiver for Cincinnati? Well, I'm expecting the leading receiver to be either Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins. They are the two leading receivers uh, going into the Monday night game. Um, I expect a lot of short, quick passes, easy reads for Ryan Finley Pittsburgh. They like to blitz often. They're one of the uh, highest blitzing defenses in the National Football League. So to try to, you know, combat that, you want to be able to utilize your short passing games. Uh, they're going to have a lot of receivers on hot routes, slants. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be short passes for Ryan Finley, and I expect him to target Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins the most. But A.J. Green will have some targets here and there um, as well. Just to follow up, Tyler, did you think this will be A.J. Green's last year in Cincinnati? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot there. Um <laughs> I do think it's going to be his uh, last year in Cincinnati. I wrote a story in Cincinnati.com earlier this week. And, you know, just based off what Green has said and the way this season is going, I believe the team is uh, getting going younger. And that's, you know, a sign of them being in the midst of a rebuild. And with A.J. Green, you know, he's 32 years old, the Bengals – sign him to the franchise tag uh, over the off season. I don't think that they're going to pay him $18 million a year or even close to that ballpark to uh, come back um, in 2021. I think he's ready. For, both sides are going to move into a, a different direction. Now that's not uh, something that, you know, I think, it's a definite right now. I think, you know, he still hasn't decided that yet, but I think if, you know, you were to ask him in the franchise, I think they're both leaning in direction that, you know, they're going to part ways at the end of the season and the Bengals are 
going to move forward with T Higgins as their X receiver and maybe uh, sign a receiver in the drafts or Auden Tate has been injured this season is another player on IR. Maybe have him as out, another outside receiver and then remain with Tyler Boyd in the slot and have AJ green try to, you know, win a ring and uh, win a playoff game with a contender. Uh, the Steelers pass rush sacked Burrow four times and recorded nine quarterback hits in week 10. And it's a different pass rush from the Cincinnati game because the Steelers lost Bud Dupree for the season. But the Steelers pass rush is still dangerous with Watt Hayward into it. And plus, there's always room for another guy like Highsmith to come up. The Bengals are second in sacks allowed with 46. What can the Bengals do to mitigate the damage that the pass rush could create against them? Have tight ends, uh, chip block, have Giovanni Bernard, who is also a pretty good uh, run uh, blocker. Well, in pass, I would say in pass protection, have him stay back in pass protection. He is a solid running back who can block. Uh, they're going to, they know that the Steelers are going to blitz them a lot. So you're going to have to have extra guys back there to help the offensive line out and Ryan Finley out this offensive line. They are banged up. As I mentioned before, they've been playing musical chairs. Uh, they'll likely start Fred Johnson at that left tackle. Uh, but you know, they've been hit hard with injuries. Their first round pick in 2019, Jonah Williams is an IR. Uh, you know, they do get Xavier Suofilo at guard. They have Quinn Spain at guard. Bobby Hart, he's struggled at times versus uh, Watt. So I, I look for Watt to kind of utilize, uh, take advantage of that matchup and also the other tackle spot. Uh, Trey Hopkins, he's been pretty good at center. Uh, but, yeah, the offensive line, they have their hands uh, full with that Steelers pass rush. So I do expect uh, the tight end Drew Sample and also Giovanni Bernard, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, uh, Travion Williams to help in pass protection as well. On the defensive side of the ball, it's, you know, it's, it's a new look on the defensive line with, you know, Carlos Dunlap now in Seattle. And Geno Atkins is on injury reserve right now. Bengals overall as a defense has struggled to get after the quarterback this, this year with just 15 sacks, which is the second fewest in the league. You know, Lawson's, you know, their best pass rusher. And, you know, he leads the team in sacks with four and a half. Overall, what have you seen from the defensive line and why, why has it been an issue for the defense to, to reduce sacks? Yeah, the Bengals have struggled to create pressure really for uh, a couple years now. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, uh, he was disgruntled and, you know, did not like his role in the direction the team was headed. So he went to Seattle and now he's having a pretty good uh, <laughs> few games with the Seattle Seahawks. And really outside of Carl Lawson, the Bengals have struggled to create pressure. Now, Carl Lawson, his sack numbers aren't there, but his pressures, you know, on quarterback hits, they're uh, among the league leaders. So, you know, he's been having a pretty good season. But outside of him getting after the quarterback, uh, Sam Hubbard uh, has struggled. And, you know, the interior of the defense, they really create no push uh, without DJ Reader and obviously Geno Atkins, who are both on IR. So Mike Daniels, he, he's been a pro bowler before. Uh, the Bengals need more out of him. Uh, and ha hopefully 
for the Bengals sake, he can be more disruptive on the interior, but they also need another player in that defensive line, not named Carl Lawson to step up and pressure big Ben. Cause even in that week 10 game, uh, big Ben was not sacked once. I believe he was only pressured uh, six times in that game. He threw for a season high 333 passing yards. So, you know, that was a huge factor because the Bengals could not really get to him. And he sat comfortable in the pocket throwing those short, you know, passes that Big Ben has done plenty of this season. And coincidentally, whenever we were interviewing Lindsay about the Bengals in week 10, you guys were going to acquire Tack McKinley off of waivers from Atlanta. But of course, that failed through. I think it was a, a physical issue with McKinley or something like that. Yes, yes, he failed a physical. Uh, he he would have helped. It, any anybody would have helped. Maybe you or me, we, we can suit up. Might we might be able to help <laughs> the Bengals pass rush? I mean, they they have struggled mightily this year, as you said. Yeah, they have the uh, their 15 sacks is the second fewest in the National Football League. I believe it's the Tennessee Titans who uh, are the team that has the fewest. And they have struggled to get after the quarterback all year. And if the Bengals' offensive line wasn't so bad, I would expect them to draft a pass rusher with their top five pick that they're bound to get. But I do expect them to probably draft uh, the tackle out of Oregon. And at linebacker, Logan Wilson has been rolled out for Monday's game. Who will be filling in for him? And also talk about the other linebackers in Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes. Yeah, well, Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes, those are the uh, primary linebackers. The Bengals run a a base nickel defense with uh, two linebackers in the middle. So those guys are the primary linebackers. I expect um, probably Akima Davis-Gaither to take uh, Logan Wilson's uh, snaps. They don't really uh, play a lot of snaps anyway. So, you know, expect, you know, Pratt and Josh Bynes to get the bulk of the snaps there at linebacker. Uh, The the Bengals have allowed 131.9 yards rushing per game this year, which ranks 28th in the league. Uh, The Steelers, you know, they they ranked 31st in the league in rushing, averaging 89.1 yards per game, have rushed for 48 yards or fewer in in five of their last seven games. Uh, The Steelers rushed for just 44 yards and uh, the last time they played against the Bengals in week 10. Do you think the Bengals will do a pretty good job defending the run again against the Steelers? Yeah, you know, the Steelers, they're not a good uh, rushing team on offense. Uh, that's kind of out of character uh, from a Steelers offense historically. Um, I, I do expect them to be solid against the run. Um, I do, though, think they're going to have a tough time containing uh, Pittsburgh's receivers, just like they did uh, last time, primarily Juju smith Schuster and those explosive plays. The Bengals give up uh, a lot of explosive plays here and there. So uh, to answer your question, yes, the run, I don't expect Steelers to have, you know, a standout uh, rushing performance. They've struggled this year running the football. The Bengals do struggle stopping the run. So if I were the Steelers, I would, you know, try to establish the run game, but that's not what they've been doing as of late. Uh, and I expect Big Ben to win the game with his arm and the defense to, to also make some plays and sack Ryan Finley and force that offense to turn the ball over. And you mentioned a little bit earlier Roethlisberger, who probably had his best game of the season against the Bengals, and the Steelers really picked on Tony Brown. 
And also in their secondary, they have William Jackson and Darius Phillips. Darius Phillips as their starting corners and also the safety duo in Jesse Bates and Von Bell and Bates has really been outstanding with those 92 total tackles three interceptions and 14 passes defended this year and if I recall correctly Bates was the one who almost got the pick on one of Roethlisberger's errant throws yeah 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 Bates has been having a, a, a really good season a Pro Bowl caliber season uh I would expect him to, you know, maybe be named to a Pro Bowl, even though there's no Pro Bowl or all pro team. Um, he's in the running for both of those spots. Mike Tomlin complimented uh, Bates and Von Bell when I spoke to him uh, on a conference call earlier this week. He said that, you know, Bates has really jumped out in film and said the uh, safety tandem is uh, pretty good. Bates is a uh, he leads the league for safeties and pass deflections. He's the team leader in interceptions. Von Bell is the team leader in, in tackles. They almost have a, a combined 200 tackles. Uh, they're um, one and two in the team in tackles. So, yeah, that's pretty much the strength of the Bengals' defense It are those safeties. And, you know, unfortunately for Cincinnati, it's not too many – other players playing well on the defensive side of the football other than those two. You can throw in Carl Lawson at defensive end. But other than that, everybody's playing mediocre or (laughs) sub-mediocre. Who do you think is going to be the matchup for the Steelers? Claypool, while he came into the last game on fire, really, it hasn't necessarily been the case. So who do you think will match up against who in this game? Um, we'll see the Bengals. They don't really travel corners. So I I can see, you know, William Jackson guarding, you know, who's ever lined up on on his side. Now McKenzie Alexander, he is the slot corner. So who's ever in the slot, you'll see McKenzie Alexander on him and Darius Phillips. Again, he's in another outside corner. So whoever lines up in his side, he'll, you know, uh, cover him, but the Bengals, I do not expect them to travel corners. It, a matchup that I would uh, like to watch uh, that you'll see sometimes is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, versus William Jackson the uh, third. Obviously, that's the best Steelers receiver, and William Jackson the third is the best healthy Bengals cornerback. Uh, so that's a matchup uh, that I would uh, like to watch, and you know. Darius Phillips, he led the team in um, interceptions last year. So if the Bengals are going to pull off a miracle and (laughs) have an upset, they're going to have to win the turnover battle. It's something that they've uh, hardly done this season. But, you know, Darius Phillips, he's shown the ability to be a ball hawk in the secondary. And so he and Jesse Bates, they're going to have to try to create some turnovers because we know Ben – Roethlisberger is going to throw, you know, 30-plus times in the game. So, so Tyler, what's, what's your biggest concern for the Bengals in this game, and who do you think will have a, a big game for Cincinnati? <laughs> My biggest concern. Um, I think the Bengals' biggest concern is, you know, pass protection and, you know, how to – uh, create an environment for Ryan Finley to be successful. He's 0-3 as a starter. He's looked overwhelmed and limited action 
at quarterback. So when you have, you know, an inexperienced quarterback back there who has not produced well, you, you want to try to, you know, cater to his skill set and help him out, establish the run game, um, you know, have simplified the playbook, have easy reads from the throw, especially against a blitz happy defense. Uh, so my concern is uh, if the Bengals are going to be able to, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to be doom and gloom, but to be able to put up some points, they scored 10 points against the Steelers last game. And, you know, uh, it was touchdown in the second quarter and then they didn't score again to the fourth quarter. And they put a goose egg up in the third quarter. And the Bengals haven't scored in the third quarter since week seven. And, you know, the Steelers are part of that second-half onslaught that teams have been having against the Bengals. So inefficient offense, that is a concern. And also coming out of the locker room after halftime and really trying to have some better success, not only just in the third quarter with scoring any well, some point, any point, <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter with, you know, trying to be able to be in position to win the football game. It, it's been a, a, a lot of uh, doom and gloom for the Bengals after halftime, you know, ever since Joe Burrow got hurt. I mean, Joe Burrow got hurt in the third quarter. And ever since then, it's been, you know, a bad football. He, 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 the Bengals have struggled in the second halves um, this entire year. But it's been even more apparent now that Joe Burrow is injured and Joe Mixon isn't coming back. And, you know, they've been decimated by injuries. So you got to try to help out Ryan Finley on offense. And the other, you know, skill players around him have to be able to step up and help out that inexperienced quarterback. I'm curious what was your original prediction for this game? Because I noticed on Twitter after the announcement that Ryan Finley was taking over a quarterback, you kind of tweeted, uh, can I change my prediction? Adding everybody <laughs> else on the Inquirer sports staff. So I'm just curious before you tell us what your prediction is now. Well, I did pick the game to be a 27 to 10 game. I thought, you know, the Bengals would score a touchdown early, uh, late in the – well, maybe in the, in the first half, definitely, and then kick a field goal at some point in, in the fourth quarter because they can't score in the third quarter at all. Um, so, yeah, I picked 27-10. But now, uh, and what I've seen from Ryan Finley, it, it it's going to be a slim pickings trying to get points for the, the Bengals. I mean, I do not see them getting in the end zone unless – uh, you have a player like Brandon Wilson uh, returning a kickoff return, which he is capable of. He's a big, one of the best returners in the National Football League. Or, you know, the Bengals um, creating some turnovers and giving the offense some short field position. Um, but, yeah, I, I think two field goals for the Bengals. I, I don't think they're going to be in the Steelers' side of the field too often. It's going to be some ugly football and the offensive side of the football for the Bengals. And I, I believe it's about to be a 30 to six game. That's what I'm thinking. 30 to six. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm a realist. That's why, you know, I guess fans read Cincinnati.com because I keep it honest. Even when, you know, 
things are going great. I, I keep it honest and, you know, I, I have to always to shoot, shoot fans straight and the Bengals, they're not a great football team. I'm not breaking any news here, but then now when they're without, you know, they're without their two best players on offense. So when you would have a two win team and now you're without, you know, your two best players on offense, there's not a lot that you can expect from them. And so your two best players, and then you're starting left tackle. It's tough to overcome that. And even on defense, Last year, their best players on defense were Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. Where are they now? <laughs> They're not playing. And then they signed uh, a DJ Reader to a mega contract and defensive tackle. He's not playing. They signed Trey Waynes to a massive quarterback deal. He's not playing. So it's tough to overcome that. Uh, for I, mean, I don't even care who your coach is. A lot of people say, you know, Zach Taylor, he deserves to be fired. He's not a great coach. But it's tough to win when you don't have a lot of talent. And the Bengals, they don't have a lot of talent. And the talented playmakers that they do have are in IR or in Seattle. This is our last question for you. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, what do you think are the big draft needs for the Bengals? And I know you mentioned the Oregon tackle you think they'll go with, but uh, what, what are some of the other names or players that uh, Bengal fans or people in the media have been mentioning? I really think the Bengals are going to draft a Sewell out of Oregon. That's, you know, who their eyes have been on. Uh, I know that they have uh, watched a lot of tape. He uh, did not play this season, he de- uh, declared for the NFL draft and opted out of the 2020 season. So that that is who I believe that they will draft. Um, if not, I know there's a, a left tackle out of Texas who the, the team uh, has their eyes on. It's, gonna, it's either going to be a left tackle or a edge rusher. Those are the uh, Bengals' biggest needs. And I don't want to give you everything because I have a story who identifies the players exactly on Cincinnati.com. So that's a shameless plug there. So fans, if they want to know exactly who the Bengals should draft or who they should draft, if it's not Sewell, I did give you one. Those players are on Cincinnati.com. Be sure to check it out. That's Tyler Dragon, Bengals reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Tyler, It was fun to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And thanks again to Tyler Dragon, Bengals reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter at TheTylerDragon. And Chris, it's time for our favorite part of the show, predictions. And last week, you got the correct outcome of the game, Bills beating the Steelers. But of course, we both didn't get the score right. And for me, I didn't even get the final score in favor of the Bills right either. Yeah, the Bills went in 28 to 24, uh, ended up being 26 to 15 and I just had a bad feeling about that game against Buffalo. You see like we're dealing with a lot of injuries and yeah, Josh Allen's been un- unbelievable this year. It was even unbelievable as we record this game against Denver. So, it's pretty clear he's kind of stated his case in the last couple of weeks for MVP of the league and Chris what are we looking forward to with the Steelers against the Bengals? Uh, I had an article earlier this week on the renegadeblitz.com in which I said this is an opportunity for the Steelers to get some new ideas out there, kind of refresh their offensive approach as much as you can for a team that's 
almost towards the end of the season going into playoff contention. Yeah, ho- hopefully this is a week where they, you know, kind of fix those, you know, little mistakes like catching the ball. You know, they still had three drops against Buffalo. You know, my unofficial count for the last three game three games is 19 drops for the receivers. So they got to clean up that area. And they, they really got to start running the ball too. And the Bengals have struggled to defend the run this year. So hopefully that can get kick-started on Monday night. Well, the good news, at least, that unofficial counter is also amounting to passes that we can't necessarily see if those were really catchable or if it was just a really good pass breakup. So at least by your count, it was 16 last week. So three drops is an improvement in the step. So for it to go from 16 to 19, that's three drops. And you think of those two drops by Johnson and one drop by Ebron. That's a market improvement over seven officially and five the week before that for the Steelers. So I guess maybe you could say that we're on the cusp of seeing the drops yeah, go away I would like from the Steelers. Get, I would like to. I would like it to get to zero because, I mean, those drops that you mentioned against Buffalo, they were they were clear drops too. I mean, Deontay Johnson, he just he just looks like he's you know looking forward to run the ball before even you know calls in the pass. Yeah, but also Ben kind of had a little bit of a talk with Johnson. And in that second half, when he came back into the game, no drops from here on out. So maybe the softer, gentler Ben Roethlisberger is the key for the Steelers receivers going forward. And Chris, it's time to get what's your final score prediction. And we were rare. It's rare that we record on a Saturday unless it's our Actually, let me restate that. And Chris, I'm interested to hear your final score predictions. It's rare that we record this on a Saturday, but with a lot of things, you know, Christmas shopping and just, you know, the general, you know, malaises around around the holiday season, it kind of made us go to this point where we have to record it on a Saturday, and that's just too much to explain that. And Chris, I'm interested in hearing what your takes on the final score for this game, we we typically don't get get to hear Guthrie until after the game, but he put on his article for RenegadeBlitz.com that he has it 24-10, to 10, and I'm interested to hear what's your final score for Steelers versus Bengals. You know, I, I want to give uh, the Steelers 10 more points than what Guthrie has, it, and I want to say the Steelers win 34-10. Uh, Another fine prediction by you. I'm going to say the Steelers score a little bit less because maybe they try a little bit. They try some of these new things, maybe make a couple of mistakes, but the defense is there to clean it up. And, you know, maybe Cincinnati capitalizes a little bit on those mistakes, but nothing in terms of touchdowns. I'm going to say the final score is 30 to nine for the Steelers and the, the Bengals reach nine points by way of three field goals at home in Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, yeah, I think the Steelers are just going to get pressure on Finley. You know, he's his first time starting this year as a quarterback, and I, I just don't see them giving up many big plays. And, uh, oh, you know, the last two games they played well in the first half, and they really just fell apart in the second. And, you know, as Tyler mentioned on, on, the, on the podcast, that the Bengals have really struggled to score in the third quarter. So I, I just think the Steelers will have their way with the Bengals on Monday night. It's certainly a just what the doctor ordered type of game for the Steelers in this in this. So now let's get to our big performers on offense and defense. And Guthrie 
in his article on RenegadeBlitz.com said that Big Ben will have a bounce back game. He plays perfect football, throws for two touchdowns and over 250 yards. He hits a deep ball to Claypool and the Steelers offense turns it up a notch and becomes less one dimensional. What is your take on the offensive on the potential offensive impact for the Steelers? Well, I hope they can run the ball, like at least respectable, you know, get some yards, not be like, hopefully they got, they get more than what they got last time they played against the Bengals, which was 44 yards rushing. I would like to see like an 80, 90 yard total for the team rushing, you know, I'll take that. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Ben's going to have a good game. You know, he had a season best 333 yards passing uh, against the Bengals last time they played and, and four touchdowns. So uh, I think he'll bounce back this week after having a really poor performance against the uh, Buffalo Bills. I think this is going to be the game in which Ben has his least pass attempts, but it's also his most efficient game. I think that's really what he needs to now. It's it's now no longer about getting small little pieces. It's about getting chunks offensively for the Steelers. And I'll say that Ben does get over 300 yards, but he does it on 29 pass attempts for 25 completions. I think the Steelers fix their drop problems. And I think with that speech or that little bit of a talk to Deontay Johnson really takes headway around the entire Steelers receivers core. They managed to get a couple good passes in there. Ebron gets balls high instead of low. And it's just all around a nice day, a very efficient day and more akin to what we've seen earlier in the season for the Steelers in which Ben has an economy of passes instead of just, you know, air raid short passes. So, so you think they'll get the run game going with only 29 pass attempts? I think, or you think they'll just be more efficient overall, just overall, you know, catching the ball and getting yards after the catch and making plays. I think it's efficient in terms of making catches and finally making plays after the catch. But also I think the running game does get together for the Steelers. I think it's going to have to be, it depends on who, what happens with Connor because yeah. we still don't know if he's going to be able to go for this game. But regardless, I think that this is finally going to be a game in which the Steelers kick the tires and see if Benny Snell can prove himself to be more than a short yardage back. If Anthony McFarlane is not going to be a guy that's going to flame out after his rookie contract. And maybe one more, if Jalen Samuels is actually going to do something with a running backs coach who is more favored to him from previous history. The one thing with Samuels is that what I noticed from the last game against the Bills, he struggled in pass protection. You, you want to see Connor out there because he's their best back overall and uh, well, as a pass uh, protector also. I'll take a Snell performance like against the Ravens uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, he played pretty well that game. He had 60 yards rushing. I mean, I think if you get like seven, like oh, I mentioned before, like 80, 90 yards rushing as a team, I think. Uh, I'll take that as far as, you know, getting something less than 50 yards rushing. I think it's also going to be probably the best game that Fickner could have. It has to be the best game Fickner has had yeah. as an offensive coordinator, probably going back to the Titans game. I think we're going to see more eye formation from this. We're going to see more traditional running formations against Steelers, less of the shotgun passing routine. If Ben's going to be away from the center, instead of making it, seven steps away from the line of scrimmage, why not make it four and kind of still retain that single back aspect because the pistol is a much better formation to run in. 
And I think that'll be the key for the Steelers. They use that formation more and try to wean themselves a little bit off of shotgun in the future. You know, Fiener has mentioned a lot uh, this week about like the practice because like, you know, their schedule got, you know, altered because of the Ravens COVID-19 situation and they had short weeks uh, off of that. So now that that they have a a normal practice week and plus the extra day with them playing on Monday night, uh, you know, hopefully they could use that to their advantage. So now it's time to get to the defensive side of the ball. And Guthrie was a little interesting with this one. He has two big players on defense and we kind of went over the budget a little bit on offense, but still he says that TJ Watt has a two sack game and, and this will further solidify his defensive player of the year claim. And he also forces another fumble and this time recovers it. And he says Terrell Edmonds will nab a pick furthering his progression towards being an elite safety. And also the Steeler fans will be happy with his progression, hopefully as well. And I agree with what Guffrey is laid down defensively with that. Honestly, I think we can kind of end my thoughts on the defense right there. Yeah. 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 Guthrie spot on there. Uh, TJ Watt throughout his career has always played well against uh, the Bengals right tackle, Bobby Hart. And I expect no different uh, on Monday night. I, I think Watt gets uh, two sacks. I'll go with the other safety. I'll say uh, Minka gets an uh, interception on. And so the Steelers will look to snap their two-game skid and clinch the AFC North for the first time since 2017 and the 24th division title overall in their history. They'll go head-to-head with the Bengals on Monday night, 8-15 kickoff on ESPN. We'll have another writer from the Renegade Blitz, Jimmy Spaziri, on the recap podcast of this game alongside myself, Chris, and Guthrie. The preview podcast next week will have Matt Taylor, the play-by-play voice for the Indianapolis Colts, joining us to discuss these Colts as we look to hear about a matchup that has playoff implications for the Steelers. An exciting holiday week is on the horizon. So until then, for Chris Ward, I'm Ty Polk. Thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, and Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.